January 2nd, 2011, it's Watt from Pedro Show. On the hotline we go. Who do we have today here? Hello, Dick. This is Captain Beefheart of the Magic Band. Captain Beefheart? Hold on a second. May I have your name and age? Uh, Kathy Fletcher, 17. Captain, this is Kathy with question number one. Who thought of the name of the group? I thought of the Captain Beefheart, and the rest of the group thought of the Magic Band. Question number two. Uh, how many members are in the Magic Band? There are four members in the Magic Band. 
There are two guitars, a bass, and drums. And the last one? Why do you think your band is becoming so popular? I think it's that sound. I think that sound is coming in very strong. I think that people are beginning to listen to the lyrics and get the feeling of the blues. Captain B. Fars, here's what you're talking about. great sound of the magic band with Captain Beefheart, Diddy Wad Diddy. Wad from Pedro Show. A rainy, rainy, rainy new year. Yeah. Here, brother Matt. Howdy. Happy new um, year. Yeah, happy new year. We got a guest. Yeah, you there, Joe Boone. Welcome. Howdy. Hey, Joe. Thanks for coming aboard. It's a special Captain Beefheart show. We're going to celebrate some of the uh, music life of Captain Beefheart by uh, letting him speak in his own words. We've got a lot of spiels. Nice. Joe Boone uh, scoured from uh, parts unknown. Uh, we started the show off, though, with John Coltrane along with Miles Davis doing Sweet Sue, Just You, an alternate take. And then we heard Captain Beefheart on American Bandstand, 1966 calling in and answering some ladies' questions, and then they played uh, Diddy Wah Diddy, which was his first single. Uh, yeah, Dick Clark. You know, <laughs> did you hear him speak? He was on one of them uh, 
New Year's shows, whoa. That was trippy. <laughs> I mean, he had to get old sooner or later, right? You know, finally all hit him at once, huh? Yeah, boy, it was like, whoa. Kind of, uh, well, it was a reality. So, um, he was my boss once. Yeah? Yeah, I worked for him. I never actually saw him, but he owned the Transtar Radio Network. When uh, I worked there. You never met him? No. You didn't, like, slam into him no, in the head or something? No, he didn't hang out with the working people. Right, you would meet some people by yeah, them some, coming in the head and you yeah, going out. Yeah, I met Spencer Davis that way. <laughs> I thought you knocked, what was it, the Motley Crue Yeah, yeah knocked a few folks down. Yeah. Celebrity knockdown list. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> uh, Yo, know, you're living in Pedro now. Last yep. time you were guest on the show here, you weren't Pedro, you were Pico Rivera. Pico Rivera, right. So now... Good to be back in the hometown. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I like it. I get off at three. Home early. It's Where good. were you born? San Pedro Peninsula Hospital. You were born in this town. Because, uh, God, I, for some reason I thought... Well, your brother was born in Napa, and then there's a stay in... Bakersfield. Yeah, that happened. Um, but that's before you. Um, you know, I, I was a little kid, so I don't remember a whole lot. Um, what? You were born in Pedro, and then you was, guys went back to Bakersfield. Yeah, we went back to Bakersfield. Okay. Uh, and then we came back to Pedro. We came back to Pedro. Right? Okay. And then I we didn't lived know up. That. We lived up in what, like where you, the new apartments were, where you guys, where yeah. the new apartments where you lived. Uh, there was like the old apartments, mm-hmm. I guess, and they tore them down, and so we moved down down the reservation to uh, Battery Street. But we lived on a street called Walken Street. Yeah. And it was yeah. like uh, the first street, the, or maybe the uh, the second street before you get to, um, um, like, Patone's Pizza that used to be there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Circus Donuts it's and all that. Park Western yeah. Plaza. Yeah, Park Plaza, yeah. Park Plaza, I think, is in Monopoly game. Oh, is yeah. That Park Plaza? <laughs> yeah. Now it's, Tar- it's Tarragona Plaza or something like that now, or? I think it's still called Park Western, but that housing that went when you lived on Battery, that's when I knew you. Right. That's now Tarragona. Then it's a track home. Yeah, a little more chic. Yeah. They they didn't even There's a secret there. They didn't even (laughs) keep those. They're like bugs big time. So they probably burrowed in the ground. Mm. They didn't uh I mean it was place was in Keep the street names. They went and changed everything. Well no, I think Battery Street, there's one No, Battery Continues on, but not in Tarragona. No, not up that way. Yeah, and then the same thing with everywhere Tarragona. where Tarragona is, it was renamed. Yeah. But if you go past uh, east of Park Western, yeah, it changes. Yeah, I mean it's the same. Yeah, battery picks up again like it used to. Right. Uh, that that was weird about that. Like they wanted to try to obliterate any trace <laughs> of the old days. But you're right. Probably the little friends, the cucarachas. <laughs> not yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're there. They're still <laughs> tough buggers. And because uh, that place. Was anyway, uh, so so you are Pedro, okay? I didn't know for Just sure. Down the I thought may, uh-huh. maybe Bakersfield. Cool. Twenty-six? No. no. Oh, I thought you were born. Yeah, you're okay. because uh, yeah. you lived there twice, and then ended up he ended up going back there again. Your pop liked Bakersfield. I know, which is weird because it, uh, he supposedly he liked it because of the. Uh, you know, the air, you know, for his lungs. They, uh, but I read just the other day that they, they have the worst air up there. Well, the agriculture kind of, the yeah. pesticide pollution, yeah. 
But you know what I think, though? It kind of reminded probably more of Nebraska. Why Especially in those days. Because Bakerfield, more of a farm. I mean, it's grown into a big city now, but in those days especially, you probably mind them a little more back out on the plains. For California. Yeah. You know, when you get into the San Joaquin Valley, it gets a little rural. Although mm -hmm. uh, some people have plans, they want to turn that into a huge track home. Yeah, I went uh, by Fresno and stuff, and what's the town there? Visalia? Visalia, yeah. yeah. Many track homes. Wow. Which I think may be kind of crazy because no, Bakersfield is pretty built up. I mean, when you drive the five, it doesn't look like there's anything. But not there in the older days. Uh, not in the older days. Yeah. You know, and, and so is this Vesalia and stuff. And you would not believe it. Where there was farmland and stuff is now track homes. Right. So, going to be like the new Orange County. I used to just be orange fields back in the day. That's right. Yeah. Right. California has always been strong agriculture, but like the image isn't. The image has always been, I guess, Hollywood and San Francisco. But the reality is, and I think it would be a mistake if it all turned, the whole state turned into a giant track home and we lost all the agriculture. Because it's kind of a core. Nature would kick back. Yeah, the, na <laughs> the nature of it, and just even economics. Yeah. You can, you know. I mean, the state's got to have more than just uh, rents and mortgages running mm -hmm. it. You know, you've got to produce something. But anyway, that's my own stupid personal opinion. <laughs> I can say that because I'm already here. <laughs> and I'm not Native. You are. Brother Matt is. In Native Pedro? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's Pedro, too. So. Uh, San Pedro Peninsula? Or? Uh, well, actually, uh, I grew up all in Pedro, but I was born at Kaiser. Oh, okay. Harbor City. Okay. So next door, yeah. HC. <laughs> yeah, ten minutes past the border, <laughs> and stuff like Raul's like that. I think he's born in a Torrance hospital, uh -huh. but all Pedro. So, um, Beefheart, we should get to that point, and not meander too far. Um, you guys remember the first time you heard him? Oh yeah, uh, I was I was in high school, and. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really strange and wonderful, and uh, the other guys in class uh, did not think so. <laughs> I remember, and having just to pipe down, the peer pressure was strong in the 70s, and uh, I had just learned, if you like certain kinds of music, you just kept it to yourself, because people would really mm. you know, put it on you for the, just being out, and... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, later when punk came, it it made sense in a way. It seemed like he was in his own universe. I also didn't know that much about the blues yet, because actually, the universe was pretty well rooted in much tradition. It wasn't so space uh, oriented, I think, as people kind of thought, which was trippy because we were just leaving the 60s and all this you know do your own thing and then all this uh forcing to uh get orthodox and accommodate uh strong heterodox orthodox scary suffocating uh but joe uh, found at about this time 
he tried to do an album uh, called, uh, well, it ended up being called uh, Shiny Beast, but at that time I think it was the Bat Chain Puller. Yeah, it wasn't released, supposedly. Yeah, well, he's working on it. Yeah, and then, then, then they wouldn't let it come out. Right. And it was kind of a nightmare for him. He had to go out and, uh, well, he tried something with, uh, in England, a couple uh, different kinds of bands, different style of record. He ended up touring with Frank Zappa, though, and stuff, uh, before uh, The Shiny Beast finally did come out. But a lot of tracks didn't make it, and uh, Joe found some, and we're going to play uh, some of that stuff right now. My eyes are burnt and bleeding, and all that looks like a monkey on a silver bar. Big poop hatch with a cotton hatch, hatch holes that the light shows in and the light shows out. And the little red fence, and the wire in the wood, and the barbs and the berries, the tires and the bottles and the car up on rims, and the heat swims on its fenders and the dust collects and the rust of autumn surrenders into gold. Trumpet poop on the ground with peanuts, its bell was blocking an ant's vision, and the mice played in its air holes and valves. A ladybug crawled off its mouthpiece, standing out red and blacked its wings and blew off to a flower. Its hum heard just above the ground. Black dots were hung in what turned out to be an olive tree that originally held a treehouse full of a building with one small window. Birds and broken glass and tiny bits of newspaper... My son is free from my window, said the god, the green dabbers. Rice wires, mouse tins, and milk muffins, cereal and stone, matches, and masts and mace and clubs, and splintered shaft light intrigues a cricket on a dust-jeweled penlet. Cobwebs collect down plaster, run into a hole and find collected glass that drinks a reflection of midday afternoon, midway between telegraph lines. A silver wing... A cloud, a rumbling of a cloud, a crowd of various violins strum from next door through my wall into my ear, obviously artificial. Neighbors laugh through sandwiches. Harlem babies, their stomachs explode into roars, their eyes shiny with starvation. Spreckled hula dance on my phonograph. My door rattles windy. Sand wears my rug shoe and taps on the unheard finish of an hourglass I cannot hear. A typical musician's nest of thoughts filtered through dust speakers. Why don't you go home? Oh, blobby, are you great? Exclaims two lips in some jumbled rock and roll tune. And where's a spot I cannot scratch? The surface of a friend. This high book a friend laid on me. On the couch relaxing in the corner behind a still-life pond with plenty of bugs and lily pads, slurred in mud banks and boulders, Tin cans and raisins warped by thought. Strain on the spoon like a wheat check. Check Biff cotton popping out of his sleeve. Poop hatch open. Big poop hatch with a cotton hatch. Hatch holes. Got to pick up the horns. But the head won't move until it walks.
cloth popcorn balls, the walls, an old candy-striped sack, in the corner wrinkled black and white, a table held up by legs, the peeled-back red enamel mouth of linoleum screamed, at the pasteboard door, a knob rolled off in some corner sticky, a curtain blew into a sink, dead flies in newspapers, charred fire brown wings and toast. Oh boy, ain't been around for some time The gay dance without its paint on Our jobs is written on Spiders whirl in those eyes The sun made them look silver The little girl from in back of the clothesline Cast a shadow like a crow its beak spoke open Why doesn't old lot jobs come around anymore? He used to ride his farmer heat bike And his basket was a whole candy store He used to make exits from door to door All the women And the young girls around here Ask why old jobs don't come around anymore why old odd jobs don't come on In the gate without his paint on dance And creak and moan Here he comes pedaling up on his former heat bike Skin and bones Spokes were scraping two rust fenders
thousandth and tenth day of the human totem pole. The morning was distempered gray of the thousandth and tenth day of the human totem pole. The man at the bottom was smiling. He had just finished his breakfast smiling. It hadn't rained or manured for over two hours. The man at the top was starved. The pole was a horrible looking thing with all those eyes and ears and waving hands for balance. There was no way to get a copter in close, so everybody was starving together. The man at the top had long ago given up, but didn't have nerve enough to climb down. At night, the pole would talk to itself, and the chatter wasn't too good. Obviously, the pole didn't like itself. It wanted to walk. It was the summer, and it was hot. And balance wouldn't permit a skinning to undergarments. It was an integrated pole. It was taking on a reddish brown cast. Exercise on the pole was isometric, kind of a flex, then balance, then the eyes would roll together, the ears wiggle, hands balance. There was a gurgling and googling herd a tenth of the way up the pole. Approaching was a small child with Statue of Liberty doll.
some Captain Beefheart there. First was uh, Pooh Patch. Then we heard Odd Jobs. And finally, the 110th day of the Human Totem Pole. Now, this is all from the Bat Chain Puller collection Joe Boone uh, came across. Stuff that never got out in this form. These tunes showed up other places. But uh, this is the real thing. You know, Cap Beefheart, I mean, got the bone phone. Uh, it's okay, brother. Uh, he was a guy, not just with record companies, but with his own band. He was a man who had a vision. And he's going to talk about it in his own words here because of, uh, I got some interviews from 1972 and 1973 in England. In fact, one, uh, one of them is with uh, John Peel, who was an incredible cat. You, you know about him? Oh, yeah. He was a DJ. And I got to meet him and talk to him about T-Rex, Mark Bowen. Oh, wow. In the studio. At, yeah. When, when I was with Jay Masks in the Fog, it was one of those Peel session things. And... He actually was there. He rarely was at those things, but he was here there, and I got to talk to him. It was a, kind of a, a tragic story about how after a while Mark Bowen wouldn't return his calls or take his calls. Wow. Yeah. You could tell in his voice he was kind of hurt. But uh, John Peel, great cat, and he talks to Captain. But first there's Andy Hall, and uh, we'll let the captain speak. <coughs> in his own words, about himself. You have a good comment about Andy Warhol, that you soup things up. Right. <laughs> how's England? How, you're going to be over here for how long? I think a month. Right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be getting your concerts, um, the, the details of those, and the what's on spot, which comes directly afterwards. But uh, what, what are, you going to be, are you going to be doing anything while you're over here other than just playing? I mean, are you going to be meeting anybody? You were saying that you've, you've been stuck in your hotel room next week. Well, I, I just got off that plane. Yeah. I mean, musically. Let's start right at the beginning of your career. And 
way back. Faith of milk, electricity. Electricity by Captain Beefheart, who's with me here in the studio. Um, I gotta spring this one on, on you. When spring it. Here we come. When uh, when I said to the lady who helps me out there in the studio uh, that we've got Captain Beefheart on the program tonight, she said, who exactly is Captain Beefheart? Well, I don't think she meant what your real name is. Have you got any answer to that? Dan Fleet. Right, well, that's your name. That's that. <laughs> no more quick personal Her name is Jenny. Right, you've I got it. That, yeah. You've got it. I thought you were going to bring out something surprising there, but I'll leave it at that. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that weird. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Electricity was your first album to be released over here, at least, from Faith of Milk, right? Yeah, that, uh, I don't know. I, uh, a minute ago I heard that uh, A&M put some stuff out of Who Do You Think You're Fooling out of the frying pan and the fire before that. Well, that's the first album, yeah. When you, when that album came out and when you first came to England, those were the days, it must have been about 66 or 67, I should think. 66, I think. Yeah, just before, yeah. just before Firepower and so on, which is significant. Oh, yeah. Right, I mean, before Hate hey, hey, Ashbury and so on. You were one of the, I should think, the two, two or three main groups in Britain, or to come to Britain, who were identified with a kind of psychedelic uh, yeah. Firepower yeah. kind of movement. Down in the middle earth, John Peel used to have you on there a lot. Nice man. Right. Do you look back upon those days with regret? Not really, no. I mean, I, regret I, that they've passed. Not particularly, other, other than, the, than the fact that uh, things have become so... Uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. So things that now, it's like one big thing of dough with a flower stuck in it now. To me, in a lot of ways, you know, not some of the people, of course, you know, were, but flower power in the first place. I mean, the idea, but for a better uh, uh, evolution, we could have been picked. I don't, I don't like the idea of picking flowers. I thought it was corny, really. I like them where they where they grow, not picked and waved in the air like that. I don't, I don't like that that much. Yeah, you, you came, if, as we said, you came. They weren't the, really doing that here, were they? Not so much. That was more over there. there. But, I mean, you yeah. tend to get the dregs of that kind of movement over here. You know, it manifests, if it's a good movement in the States, and if it's a bad movement, it tends to manifest itself, I think, in a more diluted form. Too bad they do that here. They shouldn't do that. Well, you, as you came, like we said, just before the whole firepower thing, did you feel in any way that was ripping off or adulterating something that you'd got going beforehand? Well, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember you talking before about um, also that you'd been, you felt you'd been slightly ripped off by at least one well-known artist. I mean, yeah. You, well, I'd, uh, I'd, I'm not, I'm not saying I, I wouldn't really say that he's an artist, but, but I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. Well, we're talking about Frank Zappa. Yeah. Uh, we were not going to mind, but we might go into it any more than that. But you, no. you seem to feel a lot of your own material hasn't got to the public that it should have done. Well, I don't, I think that it was posed as more of a freak show rather than just art. And, and I didn't want anybody to take hard narcotics just to listen to me because of the fact that I, that I don't take them and, neither, and nobody in the group does. And, and being self, being a selfish artist, I wanted people to hear it the way I thought of it, which was without any narcotics at all or anything like that. Yeah, can you clear up your attitude to drugs a bit further? I mean, two examples, one title track, I feel like acid. And I think in the Rolling Stone 
title track of Captain Beefheart's last album to be released in this country. And the Captain Beefheart, of course, is John Van Vlight, who's with me in the studio at the moment. Can you tell us a little bit about the album that you've just made in the States after this one that's coming out over here in the near well, future? Uh, well, I haven't uh, recorded it yet, but I have uh, I have a lot of things uh, planned. I uh, wrote this album on the way to Yale from Boston <laughs> in a car. The whole album? Yeah. So uh, uh, the name of it is Brown Star, and uh, let me think of uh, one of the, the tunes is, is named uh, Knock Knock Rock Rock, and one of them is named Spitball Scout uh, Baby. And it's it's very uh, uh, heavy, uh, very it's a very dense uh, feeling this album, as opposed to. Uh, your present band has two lead guitars, doesn't it? I have uh, a fellow named Wingdale Fingerling on guitar, uh, a Rollo on another guitar, and now Rocket Morton, the bass player, has gone over on the guitar. And I have uh, a fellow named Ori Horn on bass. When we were talking before, you, you said that having two guitars was like having two snakes facing your way. Yeah, because of the, you know. But I like that. And now I have three. Three? Three, three at, at once. Yeah. And that, that's in the band that's going to be playing yeah. in London. Uh, sure, yeah. Right. Well, the concert's yeah. in the Albert Hall, and more about that in the Box on Spot in just a minute. Sounds like Captain Beefheart, thanks a lot for coming into the studio. Thank you very much. You're racing off sure. the old grey whistle test where you can actually see the captain live on the TV in about one and a half hours from now. So I'll let you get after that. And best of luck with the concert. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for coming Thank in. You. And know that I'm the worst interviewer in the world, so I'm not going to do like an interview, but he is going to make his noise. Let's have your noise first. That's very good. <laughs> I'm, most, I'm most impressed with that, because all I can do is... Which is, which is, you can't do that, right? Can you do that? I can't do that. That's pretty good. Uh, you got this Start book. group. <laughs> we could, we could very easily. It's on my next LP, that, in fact. It's kind of boring after, when you get to the second side, because there's not much else I can do. Uh, these books that you, you do every way, because uh, you always have, like, a notebook with lots of drawings and things in it. How many of these do you fill up? How many, how many of these do you do a day? Well, I do that one a day. A whole book? I've been known to do as much as three. Right, so the other day, uh, when we were having coffee, Susan Noller said that you got, uh, you've got something like 55... Novels, yeah. 55 full yeah. novels. And are they, are they ever going to get, are they ever going to get published? Oh, yes, I'm, I'm going to, uh, well, that's one reason why I'm over here. He's other than to play music, I'm over here to, uh, find a publisher for, you know, over here. He's going to publish all 55 at once. I, I don't think they'll do that. <laughs> but if you've, written, now, if you've written 55, how long does it take you to write one? Not very long. I've, I've uh, many times written a book a night. A book a night? Yeah. yeah? The book a night club. <laughs> what about... Uh, 
And what about, uh, he was also saying that you got like thousands of other songs on tapes. And I remember the last time you were here when I had uh, more time to drift around and watch what you were doing. You used to say, every time I saw you, you'd say, uh, what about this, I've just written this new song. And uh, you'd write a new song about every five minutes. Uh, are you still writing that many songs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Today I uh, must have done at least 20. And are any of them going to any of them going to get recorded? Do you think? Oh yeah, yeah. I'd, I uh, have done a few, uh, especially over here, that I know I'm going to record. Yeah. Because I like the idea of no guns. It makes me feel a lot freer. It relieves that pressure. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of scary to think you could walk out of a studio into another studio with John Wayne and. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Not John Wayne, but a uh, John Wayne. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot. I'll be glad when John Wayne's. Did you be, have you been to Belgium? Have you done any gigs in Belgium? Because there, the the police have machine guns. I know. Yeah, I did. I did one over there, but I but I told them before I went on that they'd have to let in all their barrels. Mm-hmm. Well, now let's see. Are you going you going to play some harmonica for us? Because you said you might. Sure. Okay. Find your find. No, I'm a ham, and I want to play. <laughs> Let me find the right key here. Oh, this round. Are you going to say, because uh, when I spoke to you last week, you said you were going to come down to the BBC and sing Easter Parade. And I know Easter's over, but are you going to sing Easter Parade? Or do you not remember the words? I don't remember the uh, words. You know, you know what? <laughs> you don't I don't remember the words. But... Okay, well, we'll, we'll play another record now then and uh, try and remember the words of Easter Parade. These are the Beach Boys. In fact, the interesting thing is what always happens when uh, you've got somebody in the studio uh, is that the things you talk about off the air are really much more interesting than things that you talk about on the air. Because, uh, <laughs> that's right, though, isn't I it? I know, that's right. Because uh, I always feel, uh, even before, I've been doing radio programs for nine years, and I'm always still nervous before I do a program and before I start talking because there's like an audience out there, uh, you, in fact, <laughs> that we can't see. And it makes you nervous too, doesn't it? Sure it does. I've, uh, you know, like, I, that's why, uh, I mean, uh, why, uh, oh my goodness, I mean, like, how do you, your own imagination imagines people out there, and, right. and they certainly aren't as nice as the real people that are out there. No, that's true. And, and it can scare you. Uh, do you get, I mean, do you get, uh, I mean, I get a lot, I got a lot of very nice letters, letters that make you think, well, okay, it's worth carrying on, but then you get a lot of very strange letters too. I mean, you, yeah. you must get a, you must attract more strange letters than any other man in the world. I think. You know, I, I, I don't say Liberace attracts more, but the thing is, is that I do run a close uh, second. Right. I'm sure. <laughs> well, being second, <laughs> being second to Liberace is pretty good. I'd say yeah. I wouldn't mind being second to Liberace and anything. But do you find that people take lines out of your songs and? 
I mean, I think a lot of people miss the point that a lot of what you write is, is, is funny. Do you know what I mean? Like, people take it very seriously. And oh, they do. Very academic about it. And put their whole life, like you were yeah. saying, you were saying, build their whole life around it. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. ludicrous. I write something in five minutes, and the next thing is turned into a, a whole essay or something right. like that about it. But I'm just joking, you know, like right. mainly uh, humor is the whole thing that I've been doing, and everybody thinks I'm a real heavyweight. Right. Well, I, I found it. You know, the first time, the first time you came over here, and uh, that was what about 1968, 69. And I hired a little car, and I used to drive you to all of those gigs. And I was yes, really frightened. Man. I was really frightened of you then. Oh, stop! No, that's right, because I thought, now this this guy is is really weird, and he's going to say and do things that I don't understand, you know, and that I'm going to have to try and keep up with him. And uh, it's only really the last couple of times you've been here that I've found out that you're just. I mean, you talk about cars, you know, that's what I say. I'm absolutely normal. <laughs> yeah, I've got it. a 72 Stingray. I'm a, I have a wife. Right. Uh, I'm far out enough to uh, enjoy the sex opposite from me. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's far out that's, that's, to that's, most that's people nowadays. Right, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I throw pretty fire into the fireplace, you know, and... Uh, I don't roast, uh, I, yeah, I roast brown sugar marshmallows. Yeah. Uh, that's for all organic fans. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Let's, we better have, <laughs> better have another record. Here's yeah. Bob Dylan. She's got everything she needs. You like that? Oh, yeah, man, there's timing, you know, like, not quite Muhammad Ali, but nice. You like, yeah, that's funny, you said, because I mentioned that on the radio about Muhammad Ali. What do, uh, what do you think about Muhammad I Ali? I think that uh, he's done more for music than uh, anybody of his time. And you, I mean, do you, send him, you send him all of your records? Oh, you? yeah. But he's never acknowledged it? Well, you know, like, uh, I do it through the record company. Yeah. That may be why he hasn't acknowledged it. <laughs> Could he be, knowing, knowing record companies? I can't afford to post it. No, I'm kidding. I, I can. <laughs> and, and I would do that, but, but it's, you know, like, I live way up in Northern California. Yeah. And they say they live in Burbank. Right. And, um, yeah. So you'd admire Muhammad Ali. But oh, wait, yeah. who else? John Lee Hooker, for sure, and uh, Lightning Slam. Um, you. That's very good of you. <laughs> I always have. Um, even when I was crazy, I knew I liked it. <laughs> when I was having personalities for myself. <laughs> I remember that. That was, that was the first time you came over. And I, the first the first gig uh, the first gig I took you to was in Kidderminster. I don't know if you know that. Of course I remember that. That's right. Sure. It was uh, Frank Freeman's dancing school. Yeah, and I and remember the... Frank Freeman. That's right. I remember uh, also trying to find a pair of those corduroys. Yeah. And I remember uh, uh, meeting that fellow on the street with that great accent. Yeah. Remember I, that? I don't remember that. No, and I remember bad. your car, you know, like uh, almost getting a flat. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. And so I wasn't that crazy, after. No, you weren't. You yeah. weren't that crazy. No. Are you going to come again next year? Because, I mean, it's... Uh, you come the last couple of years. You sure, come? sure. Now that I uh, have uh, sort of taken over the steering wheel, I'm, I'm going to be able to come over here whenever I like. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I used to try to uh, see.
see if I couldn't uh, get the record company to do something, but now I realize that they've already done something. Yeah. And they didn't do what I wanted them to. Where else? Well, let's, let's have a look and just see where else you've got to go. What, what's the day today? It's the, uh, what is it today? The 20, is it the 24th? It's the day after the colored egg. That's right, that's right. I had purple eggs myself. <laughs> Very handsome pair of eggs. Uh, so tomorrow you're Bradford. Now that's yeah, a good, that girl. That's yeah. a good town, Bradford. You'll, you'll, you'll like Bradford. Uh, then Thursday is Wolverhampton, Friday Preston, Saturday Newcastle. Now there's another good town. I like that one. Yeah, because yeah. you did a good one in Newcastle last time. Um... Then Monday the 30th, Nottingham. And then in May, you've got a lot more to do. You know? I had to buy off the sheriff for whatever the last time I played it. That's right. <laughs> and uh, on the 1st of May, which is a Tuesday, isn't it? in fact, it's next week, uh, Leicester University. Then uh, Wednesday's Leeds University. Thursday, Oxford. They better not analyze me. No, we better not. <laughs> no, they'd better not. You know what I mean? Like at those uh, universities. Yeah, that's the, well, you get a lot of that. You'll, you'll get people coming up to you and saying, uh, no, um, this... Uh, Big-eyed beans from Vietnam. Uh, I, I see this as being a message uh, trying to explain to mankind the uh, problems. And they'll do that, you know. I know, I know, I know and, I, and I'll tell them... Uh, what will you tell them? Be kind, man. Don't be mankind. <laughs> okay, let's have another record. Oh, that's the wrong microphone. Let's get another record on it. That's one of my all-time favourites, that, actually, from the big three, who recently reformed in one way or another. And uh, that was just the B-side of a single edit. And uh, the, the A-side was, uh, if you ever change your mind, and that was, uh, you've got to keep it underhand. A bit scratched, because it's been played a lot. But you like that, eh? I like the guitar, the way he held the notes so long. Uh, that's really good. I can't, yeah. I can't even remember what the name of the guitarist was. Doubtless people were writing and telling Good guitarist. Yeah. Did you like that better? than Because you, you, you heard uh, little Jimmy Page um, earlier on. Did you prefer that? Or, uh, what did you think about that? Well, I pre actually prefer the guitar on this, you know, because I, I can't see any reason to go through all of those uh, jungle gym theatrics. I mean, uh, you know, the, the intellectualism on an instrument that... Uh, could never possibly be mastered or played anyway because you have to have six fingers. <laughs> There's very few people <laughs> with six fingers. Oh, yeah, very, very, yeah, that's not all that. So why not just uh, play what feels good? That's right, because people, people yeah. feel that uh, playing stuff that's complicated is, uh, is better than playing stuff that's good. Recently, my group has gotten out of that. Yeah. Now, it took me seven years to get a group that didn't want to be complicated. Yeah, who's in the group? Because people won't, not everybody will be able to see the band on the tour. So well, uh, Alex Guitar St. Clair came back, who was on Safe as Milk. Uh, Zoot Horn Rollo was on guitar. Rockette Martin on bass and guitar. And uh, Ed Marimba on drums. And Odie Horn on bass. <clears throat> And occasionally I'm there, too. Yeah, you occasionally pop in from time to time. Yeah. Hi there, everybody. Great to be with you, Sydney. <laughs> Got a knockout show. Anyway, <laughs> but it's a, it's a good band, isn't it? And it's, oh, uh, you, yeah. you're enjoying it more now. Right? Oh, they're, they're very good. Uh, I mean, they're, not only that, but they're good people. I mean, they, they're not, they look eye to eye to the audience. They don't try to come down with sparkling... Uh, yeah glitter hoists or any kind of uh, nonsense like that. I mean, they're right there on the floor. Uh, 
being uh, what they can be, which is a human being that's trapped by gravity. And there's no way to get away from it. I don't care how big you blow your head up <laughs> or what you do, you're going to always put your foot back down, you know. And uh, you may as well leave it there, you know, and play. Right. Well, they're a good band, and I'm glad you could come this evening. And I wish we could have talked a bit more because, uh, but maybe we'll get people will get the idea that you're just uh, a nice bloke and not all that weird. After no, no, no. Well, listen, I enjoy it too. Thank you. Well, for Pedro show, uh, yeah, that was a uh, Cat B Far talking with John Peel, 1973, and before that was uh, Cat B Far talking with Andy Hall, 1972. Uh, when did you first hear Can't Be Fired, Joe? I think it was at Todd's. Yeah, it was at Todd's house, most definitely. Um, Todd Aberson. Todd Aberson, For you yeah. people who might not be familiar. Oh. Uh, Todd Aberson was a cat that went to high school with Joe Boone. Yeah. And uh, it was a uh, trap mask re- replica. And we were talking about uh, Todd and his sister, who, because we didn't really have people older than us. I mean, I'm a couple years older than Joe Boone, but I couldn't help him. Because I was just as ignorant. We didn't have people to kind of guide us. I did uh, remember a couple guys like uh, Dennis Alba turning me on to Black Sabbath and Ray Bernard uh, turning me on to uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Those are two Pedro guys that were a year or two older than me. But a lot of this stuff we <laughs> just stumbled upon. So uh, Todd Aberson was ahead of the curve on a lot of uh, stuff that wasn't, you know, on the mainstream and a little bent on the edges. I mean, it would be nothing considered uh, nowadays where you have uh, independent stuff and all that, but uh, it was hard to know outside of Grand Funk and yeah. <laughs> whoever was well, the mega was monster on, bands at the time. In concert, uh, the TV show. Yeah, but even that, those shows sometimes would have little bands. Like Alec, I remember the incredible Alex Harvey band. Right. And you talk to dudes at school, they know who the hell he was. So, but you could see there... And sometimes not even a lot of information. They just let them play. You wouldn't know anything about them. You wouldn't know the names of the songs. Or I remember that's how we got turned on to Kiss. They just came on. And we didn't know the fuck it yeah. was. We, we would record in concert with, on these little mono tape recorders. From the TV. From the TV. We put it in front right. of the TV and that would, we'd be like totally into it. I listened to and that then, at work. No, yeah. And then we then we would try to learn the songs. That's how we learned like the first, those yeah. first three Before Kiss they songs. even had an album out, we didn't even right. know the names of the so, okay, we're at the end of the first hour of the January 2nd, 2011. Uh, first what for Beatle Show of the Year show. So, hang tight for hour two. January 2nd, 2011. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. For the last 15 years, my next guest has been making music that sounds like no one else is in the world, and he is, uh, I wonder if they have a Captain Beefheart sandwich. Well, we'll find out. Uh, he has acquired a fiercely devoted following among critics and fans. This is his most recent album right here, Ice Cream for Crow. Please welcome Don Van Vliet, Captain Beefheart, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, and have a seat there, if you will. Thank you. You brought a little uh, little water. refreshment along? Yeah, Got some water? Just, water, just yeah. water, just water. Would you like a glass for that? No, but the war is a pimple on a pup's pet dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
What did I mean? Uh, no, that's all right. You go, go ahead. Um, before you came out, I was looking at your album. Let me ask you one question about this gentleman here on the back. A picture of obviously a guy who performed on the album. Yeah. Richard Midnight Hat Size Snyder. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Now I know. I know yeah, that. Uh, I know that you. No other guests, right? I, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, <laughs> it's been uh, rather peculiar. Now, t I know that you sometimes give musicians names. I had to in this case, Snyder. I mean, I mean, I had to give him midnight hat size because we got him that hat. I had him put those uh, bow ties on the front and the back, black one and the white one. No, it, it looked better. The, that red uh, derby didn't make it without the. Uh -huh. But uh, he's a Winnebago Sioux Indian. Mm -hmm. So midnight hat size. That's yeah. a very unusual. He needed unusual. a hat. They called <laughs> called my manager Gary Lucas, who was also on this album. And called him in the middle of the night. Said he wore a size eight hat. Yeah. Now that's impossible. It is impossible. That's a pretty no, big I mean, hat, isn't it? It's possible. Yeah. It's yeah. impossible in this case. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> what size hat does he wear? Uh, seven and three eighths. Oh, good. Which ain't bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but not an eight. No, not an eight, sure. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we're talking about hat sizes. And uh, yeah. Now, you have an interesting name yourself. Can you tell us a little of the origin of Captain Beefheart? Captain Beefheart, a beef in my heart against a society. Mm -hmm. They're cutting the beefs off of penguins down at the marina in L.A. You know that, the water. No, cutting the beefs off of, of uh, not pelicans. Cutting the beaks off, the top beaks. I know, yeah. But wow. why, are, why are they doing that? I don't know, but I sure would like to find who's doing that. Well, that, yeah, that's... They need a spanking. Well, it's cruel. It's, if, uh, if, uh, if, in fact, that's the case, that seems like it might be cruel. Oh, right. No. no. Uh, now, uh, well, let's talk about your music. You were the first person to actually record a video, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. How long ago was that? I think that was uh, about 72. Mm -hmm. What was the name of the song for which you recorded? Lick the My Decals Off Baby. Lick Meaning my... get rid of the labels, children coming. Lick My Decals Off Baby. Not uh, nasty things like they thought. Yeah. Uh, now this... It's uh, uh, a nasty thing. <laughs> you, you were ahead of, of uh, the rest of the music world, and you're, this video is now in a museum, isn't it? Yeah, modern art, yeah. Yeah. M-O-M-A. Yeah. Yeah. Now we... <laughs> I think that's a mom's yeah. museum of modern art. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now we have we have a, a more current video from. Uh, I just wait. We're going to do mother. that. Okay, that's right. And my wife. All right, we're yeah. going to pause here. Uh, we'll be back with Captain Beefheart and oh, many more hat sizes. So come on back. Captain Beefheart, and you were, you were talking about uh, Will Lee, our bass player. He's the very knockout. Yep. good. Steve Jordan, our drummer. Yeah, you're Iron good. Bullock, guitar. Paul Schaefer, our director. Uh, now, Hello. Captain, if uh, do I call you Captain or Don? Okay. Don. Don, fine, okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to look at the, your current uh, video. Tell us about that. This is from Let uh, 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 Ice Cream for the Crow. Ice Cream for Crow. Yeah. What, is, what, is, what does that mean exactly, that title? Uh... It has a lot to do with uh, ray gun. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, saddle substance hair and tosses jelly beans through rope tricks. 
He's a bad actor. No, uh, what, what, what it has to do with, uh, what it has to do with black and white uh, and a raven, vanilla ice cream. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, and uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna look at the video now. Is there anything you want to explain about the the clip I, from the? I'd like to say that that I really appreciate you showing this because uh, what is it MTV? I don't want my MTV if you don't want my <laughs> video. They 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 have not. Uh, they won't show it. Yeah. Well, it's too bad. It's their loss. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so so uh, all right. Here here now uh, a minute or so of uh, uh, ice cream for crow. Captain Beefheart. Watch the monitors. It's so hot. Looks like you have three beats, Chrome. The moon's so full. Wow! It's all a pumpkin. You know there's something. The moon was a stone's throw. Show. I need to say hello to the crow, like the fire piano. The moon showed up and it started the show. Tonight there'll be ice cream, ice cream for crow. Um, that was uh, appeared to be shot in the desert, and you you live in the desert, don't you? Uh, after a fashion, it was 114 the day we shot that. It was that hot. Yeah. It's so hot. It was that hot. Yeah. Uh, do you do you like uh, living in the desert? No. Really? <laughs> I'm moved to Arizona. It's hotter. <laughs> uh, if uh, you lived there quite a while, though, haven't you? You and your wife live there? Yeah, in a trailer out in, uh, uh, well, way out in the high Mojave. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty nice. I mean, ravens for bad, uh, neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you don't like it, but you, yet you don't leave. I love the, the, the uh, tension, discipline. Oh. <laughs> it's good for painting. I'm a, a painter. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it true that you once managed a Kinney shoe store? Yeah, the funny part about that is I managed this shoe store and I quit on uh, Christmas Eve and I went down to Warner Brothers. I got signed to Warner Brothers. It's also Kenny's. So I walked out of one shoe store into another store. <laughs> uh, we're going to pause here. We'll continue with uh, Don Van Vliet, Captain B. Part, right after you watch this. Nice to see you. You have a lot of, uh, we know that uh, a lot of people requested special tickets to be here tonight to, to see you. They really enjoy you and your work. Thank you. <laughs> do you always have the hat on? Mm, not now. No, no that's... <laughs> yeah, I do. Not now. No, no. no, well said. No, I take it off quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> About what percent of, of your life are you without a hat, do you think? Uh, well, I don't shower with it yeah I don't shave with it <laughs> well, there you go yeah. all right good now you uh, I I was uh, reading about you this afternoon and and a staggering 
um, bit of information about your life hit me uh, hmm? that you it has to do has to do with your early schooling. Oh, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> and I tell you what we're going to do. We have to go away for station identification. But when we come back, I want you to tell us about your school experience, and we'll we'll get to the bottom of that. All right. You want to be a different fish? You're going to jump out of the school. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. Now. We'll be right back after station identification. Tomorrow night, uh, also known as Captain Beefheart, tell me about your early schooling. Is it true what I read? Uh, half a day of kindergarten. Yeah. yeah. Had somebody tell me that, that I stay too long. <laughs> <laughs> Was this the extent of your formal yeah, education? Yeah, yeah. Now, what, why, what went wrong there? I was a sculptor, and and I at a, at a very early age. Yeah, yeah real young. It uh -huh. didn't apply. Yeah. No, I mean, it's good for some people, but it wasn't good for me. So instead of going kindergarten grades one through eight, high school, and so on and so yeah. forth, what did you do? Uh outsmarted the truant officers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you, you worked on your sculpture. Yeah, yeah. Now, I also read that you were isolated in a, in a room. Oh, I just went in the room uh, and sculpted, and they had to feed me under the door. How would you have a child like that? <laughs> uh, now, wait a minute. You, you were just in this room by yourself sculpting. Yeah, yeah. And, and periodically, Mom and Dad would slide food under the door? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if I liked it, I'd eat it. If I didn't like it, I'd throw it out. Yeah. That's, a, that's an, uh, an abnormal upbringing, isn't it? Yeah, I had them trained. Mm -hmm. I was an only child, you know. They thought I was wonderful. Mm -hmm. and you, so they'd let me do what I wanted. But you, you were kind of a, uh, a prodigy. Because you you received a scholarship to, to go study art where? From uh, uh, Knudsen Kramer, the millionaires, the milk millionaires. Oh, sure, out in the West. Yeah. Sure. She said she was going to give me a six-year paid tuition. Paid tuition? Paid tuition. Ooh. Paid tuition. Uh, uh, I'm nervous. No, no, you're not nervous. No, I'm no. No, uh, paid tu <laughs> tuition scholarship to Europe. Right. My folks moved when I was 13. My folks moved me to Mojave, the desert where they kept the Oriental uh, Americans prisoner during World War II. I mean, I was out there in that. No, they didn't want you to, to go... get me away from art. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They, why didn't they want you to be an art? Uh... I don't think they understood it. Mm -hmm. But do you ever regret being deprived of that opportunity? Um, not really, because I, I wouldn't have let anybody tell me something to do anyway. Yeah, but a 13-year-old kid going uh, to, was it Italy, to study? Marble. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah, that's your major league sculpturing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you've lived in the desert pretty much ever since, haven't you? Well, no, I, I've been in Northern California, and, mm -hmm. and then I came back to the desert. I went back to Northern California, back to the desert. I was touring quite a bit, and I wasn't in the desert mm -hmm. that much. Yeah, but you live there now. 
Yeah, but I'm going to go to Arizona, as I said last time, because it's hotter. And do you do you like do you like the <laughs> desert? Should I tell you? Should I tell you the truth? I yes. like the desert, but I can't go out in the sun. Yeah, my stand won't take it. So I'm just saying that so that people don't know that I'm really not going to be in Arizona or up where I am now. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah, fooling. So you you don't want. I mean, in case somebody cares and comes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you don't. Case. You don't want to be easy to get a hold of, I guess, huh? A reckless. A reckless, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you live in a, a trailer in the desert? Oh, yes, and it's hot. Yeah. Now, what is it like when you when you come to New York, Don? Do you enjoy the city? Wonderful. After? Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I like... Uh, What's your favorite part? of museums. Museums? Yeah. Yeah. They don't have many of those in where you're... No. They're in the desert. No. Yeah. Now, we, we have some of your, your artwork. Uh, one of which is right here on the cover of the magazine Conjunctions, and uh, if if you can just take a look at the monitor, and we're going to show. Well, I guess we got about a half a dozen of your paintings here, Don. Now, when you're in in music, you're Captain Beefheart, right? As an artist, you're Don Van Vliet, yes. and a poet and yeah. a writer. Yeah. All right. What is this, Don? B top. B top. And what uh, what is that to? You know, is, what is the what, what did you do that in oil or? Uh, well, uh, uh, acrylic and uh, pencil and cigarette ashes uh -huh. and uh, yeah, okay. that's about it. All right, all right. The next one. Uh, oh, that's the corn thief. Yeah. These are very nice. These are, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. And do we have? And that is a button-down fashion bow. What does that mean exactly? Uh, exactly. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's not exactly. Don't have, don't I had fun doing it, though. I was able to turn myself inside out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all I'm trying to do. Well, that, that's very impressive. Uh, but that's very impressive stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Now, are these on exhibit anywhere or for sale anywhere? I'm going to do that soon. Yeah. And uh, that's what I, I'm painting for an exhibit in New York. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand also that your voice uh, has a uh, uh, an incredible octave range. Is that how they describe it? And you can actually break glasses with your voice. Oh, yes. I wish I had enough money to uh, use my voice around the house. I mean, uh, but uh, I don't want to break any glass. Now, uh, it goes... Seven. Can, can you give us an example of how low you can get it? Is that what we're talking about here, low and high? Is that... Yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, now can you go the other way? Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I can't, you know, I mean... I'd have to have a, a bongo or something. A bongo. No, but you actually have broken... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't they let me do a Memorex commercial? You could, you could do that. But I can afford to break a few glasses. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you... Now, you're a multi-talented artist. Music, uh, painting, sculpting, writing. What are, you, what are you doing next? What's the next project for you? Hmm... Having this exhibit in New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, well, did you mention the museum where this is? 
I, or the I, gallery? I, I can't. I'm not at liberty to mention where it's going to be yet oh, until okay. everything is set up. Okay, uh, but that's in the near future. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look forward to. Thank you. Thank you for Thank being you back for showing this. Oh, sure. Yeah. Nice to I see you again, John. Thank you for nice coming to out see of the you desert. Why from Pedro Show? Start off the second hour with a couple of more spiels. Captain Beefheart, uh, Beefheart <laughs> on Captain Beefheart in his own words, this time via uh, David Letterman's show. First Jeez. on the bone phone again. Hotline today. First one was uh, 1982, and then the second one was your year later, which is kind of like right before. Uh, it must have been a hot call because Brother Matt just dumped all the shit. Uh, the second interview there is right before he quits music uh, after I stream for Crow uh, we, we, we got some more interviews where he talks about this uh, but uh, he, he hung his hat up on the music and put on his uh, painter smock and uh, he loved it you know so I think it bums some people out. You'll see on, in the third hour I'll play a spiel where people are calling up and they... Uh, even a, a blind cat calls up and says, how am I going to... He goes, well, I'll make a kind of a Braille pain sculpture. Actually, when he was young, he was going to go to Italy to be a sculpture. sculptor. <laughs> yeah. But then his family moved to the desert and it, he got into music, got into the blues. Um, time now uh, for the spin cycle, Brother Matt. Cool. And he's going to collaborate here with Mr. Joe Boone on the bongos. Yeah.
Brother Matt. Yes. Thank you very much. Cool. Thank Joe you. Boone. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. What was? Yeah, uh, thank you. Some of your uh, motivation, inspiration. Um. Well, just wanted to get back to some of that dubby stuff that I'd been kind of playing more since I stunk it up so much last week. I figured I'd get back to some familiar ground. <laughs> okay, uh, I got this. Do you remember L.A. Eyewitness? They would do stories on things happening in L.A. And Captain Beefheart was on one. Oh, cool. And uh, so uh, I've got the segment. I think it's from 1982. Around cool. the ice cream for Crow thing. Cool. Original music, this side of Venus. This man's music. He's been called the father of the new wave. One of the most important American composers of the last 50 years. A primitive genius. Don't know who he is? You're not alone. In 15 years, he's never really had a hit record. He lives reclusively in a trailer somewhere in the Mojave Desert. His name is Don Van Vliet, and he dedicates his music to animals and children. The world knows him as Captain Beefheart. Ah, nowadays a woman's got a hole and hit a man to make him know she's a... Back in 1956. 56. Yeah, oh, that was a good year. Do you remember? You remember? I remember that very well. It was in high school. That was a good one. Yeah, it wasn't I never went to school. Ever. 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 Even kindergarten. Are you serious? That's No occurred. education at all? None. No. Why not? Aren't kids you supposed wanna... to go to school? They're supposed to. But, but uh, if you want to, I'm still a kid. You say, I didn't go to school, I'm still a kid. If we you want to be a different fish, you got to jump out of the school. I think that Beefheart's way of approaching words, of approaching sounds, of approaching instruments is very much that of a child at play. At a very young age, he decided, in effect, not to grow up. So he has this kind of diffuse, undifferentiated consciousness that children have, that mystics have, that great artists have. Contemporary American listeners have gotten used to a steady beat, a regular chord changes, a sweet melody. Uh, what Beefheart tries to do is to shake us out of that. Done. Rock and roll is a fixation that bomb, 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 mama heartbeat. I don't like hypnotics. You say, I mean, I'm doing a, a non-hypnotic music to break up the catatonic state. And, and I think there is one right now. They brought me down here, and as soon as the car door opened, I ran out, you know, to go down and see an actual dinosaur. Maybe a, a, a dire wolf or a saber-toothed tiger, even, if I could get it on the way down. I want to actually see one, and I tried to go in there. 
this is the big dig, and it gives uh, Los Angeles a lot of credence. How do you teach these musicians to play your music? Whip. <laughs> kind whip. No, I mean, uh, a kind quip. No, a kind of, well, how? You know, a tape you know, with a piano, a, a tape. And it's very hard work, and they'll probably all leave after I say this, but they don't get enough money. What if they ad lib musically? What if they want to put in a little bit of their own? Ouch! See, it's you. Me. <laughs> I'm an only child. I'm a tyrant. You're irascible. What groups like the B-52s, Blondie, Public Image Limited, and others have taken from Captain Beefheart is a very specific way of playing the guitars, playing drums, and structuring melodies. They're taking your music, incorporating your music into their ideas, and it's making them a lot of money. And they ought to give me some of that That's money. That's right. And they should give me some of their money. Now, everybody that you mentioned, I want my money. In plain view, it's Captain Beefheart. Captain, don't you want to make money? Sure. Then why don't you go commercial? I think either I'm too smart or too dumb. I don't know which. Well, maybe the captain did go commercial. Sort of. In this 1971 TV spot he wrote and directed. But it was banned by a local station. New on reprieve. It's Lick My Decals Off Baby. Lick My Decals Off Baby? What I meant was get rid of the label's coming children. I'm a painter. Primarily, it's hard to talk about painting. It's hard to talk about music. It's hard to talk about. Uh, it's hard to talk. I did a, a painting of my wife and I. Obviously, that's me because you can tell by the, by the big ears. What's the most important thing in your life? You've mentioned ecology. You've mentioned animals. You've mentioned the music. You've mentioned what's really important to you right now. What's the most important thing to you? My wife, uh, uh, definitely, uh, definitely. That is the most important thing to me. Sorry, girls. I don't like music. I like to do spells. Because music is just black ants crawling across white paper. You know something? There is a guy who comes off like a wacko, but knows exactly what he... Why, for Pedro Show. Okay, that was uh, the L.A. Eyewitness people getting amazed. <laughs> well, it's, it's so funny at the end, you know, he goes, yeah, the guy comes on like a wacko, but he knows exactly what's going on. <laughs> It was like he thought the microphone was off or something. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. I know that would be the interview.
is Cap Lee Park and Huel Hauser. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't that ever happen? <laughs> <laughs> that you play like that? <laughs> Whoa, what's a Buddha? Well, we get the camera. <laughs> so, you didn't finish up the thing. You were at Todd, Todd Aberson's when you first heard. Right, yeah. Was, uh, Captain Beaver. More than likely, if I remember correctly, it was Trout Mask Replica. Yeah. And your, what was your feelings? Well, first impression was, what the hell is this? You know, because mm. I was a kid, I was into like all that, you know, Kiss and Bowie and stuff like that. And it was it was uh, interesting. I, I really didn't get into like um, to Beefheart until you played, uh, or, or maybe maybe it was Todd, but uh, but the, the Shiny Beast album. Yeah. And when I heard that, then I was like, I yeah, this is a little bit, I, I can, you know, I can get into it a little bit more. But, Because um, the top mask you thought was too out? Yeah, it was kind of It might have been well, mixed with that, and then your first time hearing. Yeah, well, it was kind of, you know, it seemed kind of dark, you know, like, Duck Out Blues, you know, it was like, it was like, China huh? Pig. Yeah. And so. all, all that, really, free association poetry, like, that kind of new. Yeah, it was new. Yeah, it was new. To tell. Rock and roll had started getting pretty predictable with the lyrics and right. stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah, he was... And then, uh, I think you got back via Zappa or something, because he he made a couple records. Zootalors? Bongo Fury? Bongo mm-hmm. Fury? Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I, he also sang Zoodle on Lure, Lure, Which one's the live one? Uh, Zootalors, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he also sang on. Uh, and that's what he toured with them, right? He goes back to the mothers. Uh-huh. Did he sing Willie Pitt? Yeah, he's I think so. Willie Pitt. Yeah. yeah, and uh, because they grew up together, and uh, maybe a little bit of rivalry. I don't know. I, I think about it. Um, Trump Mass Replica actually has uh, conversations between them. He used in the recorder, you know, the blimp, Frank, you know. Uh, Frank Zappa was a producer, and I think it was on his label through Warner. Some uh, Straight, he had something called Straight. Isn't that the one that uh, that Cooper's first album was on? That's right. He's the first two albums from Alice no, Cooper. No, it was, it was Straight or Bizarre or something like that. Or what was? God, I don't know. I can't remember. Straight. It was uh, Pretties for You and Easy Action. Easy Action. Easy Action's a good album. I like Pretties for You too. They're really trippy. Yeah. Nothing like this, like kind of rock and roll band that he got famous for. Kind of trippy, uh, what do you call art rock kind of angle. But uh, knowing Frank Zappa, you know that's what he was into. Uh, Cooper later went to Ezrin, you know, and Bob Ezrin had a, a whole lot to. But uh, Captain Beefheart, um, what's that? It's a Zappa's album. Hot rats? Oh so yeah. He's, he's yeah. Willie the Pimp. Um, I think uh, Cap D. Fart, with the punk scene especially, had huge influence. No residue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the gate folds were always like this. Uh, Mine were. You know what I'm saying though? Uh, when. Uh, Punk movement started rolling and stuff. Uh, he was one of the foundations of. Uh, I think he he hoisted up the freak flag high enough to enable people or let them know it's okay to go wild with music and not be so uh, 
like the name of one of his records, Safe as Milk. Mm. <laughs> uh, it seemed to me a lot of his thing was to shake things up. And then in his own words, he speaks about that thus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's, I don't think that's what the uh, other guys are on. Joe Boone's pointing to me uh, something on there. Because I remember the logo on the on the Cooper one was a cigarette. Huh. Or something. Mm. For straight. If I remember right. If I'm not too confused. But, I mean, we, we owed him a huge debt. I know us. Uh, Big Boone used to speak about him in interviews all the time because... Uh, well, T. Boom was a painter, and uh, you know, our artist on uh, other levels than just music. And I think uh, he related with that. Captain B. Far too. I think that's why he went to painting. He probably thought it did about as much as he could do. And uh, it would be interesting. Um, we're coming on the end of the second hour, but uh, next hour I got. Uh, him in 1993 reading some of his own poetry and with no music and just reading the poetry and it's a mind blow but you can also tell where he's at in his life and uh, so it's all expressing himself one way or another yeah it's all about expression and he's great he's pioneer at the end of the second hour of the January 2nd, 2011, Watt for Peter Show, hold tight for hour three. January 2nd, 2011, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Fallen ditch, when I get lonesome, the wind begin to moan. When I trip, fallen ditch, somebody want to throw the dirt right down. When I feel like dying, the sun come out, stole my fear and gone. Who's afraid of the spirit with the blues for bones? Who's afraid of the falling ditch? Falling ditch ain't gonna get my bones. How's that for the spirit? How's that for the things? Ain't my fault. The thing's gone wrong. When I'm smiling, my face wrinkles up real warm. When I'm frowning, things just turn to stone. Fallen ditch ain't gonna get my bones. When I get lonesome, the wind begin to moan. Fallen ditch ain't gonna get my bones. The tired plane, the brow was white and yellow elastic and held to foam cones, the corners triangular-shaped pyramids. Three edges made one point, Starfish and emery boards, triple D cupped and poked to a point. The main character was composed into a bow that broke first 
in the front and equal on adjacent sides. American Cowboy was approaching on a collision course. His hands groped outstretched three digits triangular to the front nail. A line was drawn from the middle finger to the knuckle of the index finger across the middle finger into the third, creating a perfect arrow with an imaginary front point. Skeleton makes good. There's so many things to feel and see while you're awake. They're just out of reach, out of grasp. Yeah, out of reach. And just as many, maybe more, the minute that you sleep. So I got to throw my preach. Skeleton breath, scorpion blush. I have a crush on your skeleton. Watch out, unsuspecting stranger. You'll fall off the log. Head first into dreams. End up screaming. This will comb the wolf, and that will comb the fog. What will peen the rain? What will preen the hog? Oh, you mean earth and hell over you and laugh at your tire tracks if you get up. Skeleton makes good. Safe sex drill. The child held the old TP roll. Carefully thoughtful not to misshape the whole. Tulip, it could be a tremendous black upside-down tulip. It could be a black fish's tail. It could be a day artistically crimped and buoyant in its taped-together way. Gill, Bub and Gill, Bub and Gill, Bub in India, Bub and Matt, Bub in the wool, Bub in a rug, Endure Bub, Bub in 
and stitches, glass bub, bub in rope, bub in jail, bub in tent, bub in pail, bub on springs, bubs, breaks, bub in pajamas, bubs, party with gill and mat and bub in stitches, erect bub, gills, pill, perfume roll. What for Pedro show? You just heard Cap Beefheart reading some of his poetry, 1993. And, uh, yeah, it's very emotional. But, you know, the thing about a life, yeah, it starts and then it has to end. The culture and stuff, though, I think the works things can transcend and go through the through the years through the limitations of the physical and that's why I think the arts are so important whatever they are you know writing uh, poems musics painting Raymond's in uh, New York City right now yeah I miss him uh, New Year's alright what'd you do brother Matt I went to a nice, cool little casual party up in Hollywood. My friend got a bitch and pat on Sunset and Vine. Yeah. And just kind of had a great time there. Joe Boo? Nothing. Yeah, I stayed home, Pedro. Like 90% of the New Year's Eve's, I don't go out. I uh, man the home fort. Yeah, it's too mm-hmm. dangerous for me. And uh, also, uh, after New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, Second year now in a row, I've missed polar bear swim. Last year I was in Japan, so I couldn't do it. But this year, you know, I had been psyching myself up to try it, and then, you know, deciding, deciding, deciding. Yeah, and better safe on that yeah, thing. Because of a, a weird wave or a bad uh, ground, and I slip and twist. I, if I hurt this thing again, I do have a rubber kind of brace that I could have worn, but I. I, I don't know. I, I just got yeah, to take I, I it easy. Size things up because this year I've got a lot of stuff coming up. With, the, quick. with huh? the polar bear deal, um, Mr. John Algeen, a local Pedro hero, He's died. He's one of the first one in. He died. When? Yesterday or the day before. He missed the swim? I think so. He's the cat who usually leads us in. Yeah, he's the man. He's like a 90, he's a Pedro legend. Yeah, yeah. He's so. a plumber cat. He dresses Juan Cabrillo and yeah, him, yeah. You know, reenact. But he he was had Tugba Indian in him too, which was kind of tricky. Yeah, I would like Look to get old. something going where we get a statue of a little Tugba family. Yeah, some kind of local daughter. representation there. Yeah, because it's just Mister White and Mister uh, Cabrillo down there <laughs> waving to each other, <laughs> pigeon shit on both their heads, which is okay. <laughs> it's a but, but, <laughs> I wish they, they used would, to have a big anchor there. But it's right? like, yeah. or, or known some of the people. Yeah. There were people living here before those guys came. 
You don't have to say much. Just have a statue. Don't even have to say anything. But just people might wonder, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there was welcomers or curious. <laughs> or I don't know. But anyway, uh, Mr. Olgin was a badass guy. Man. Yeah. He, you know, all the polar bear swims I've done, seven of them, he was always the... He'd, he'd lead the king and the queen out there. Uh-huh. There'd always be a king and the queen. Wow. Yeah, our town missed it. We're going to miss him. Essential cat. He was strong for the community. Mm-hmm. You might remember seeing his trucks, Joe. Because he had his plumbing mm-hmm. trucks. They didn't have his name on them. You don't remember? I mean, well, it's, been, it's been a while now. Because... <laughs> uh, he he also slept on his porch. Yeah, yeah, outside on the porch. Inside. His wife's an artist. Yeah, they live up there by my folks. But he started the the museum down here. That's the right, Cabrillo Beach Museum and the aquarium. Yeah, he's he's stalwart for this community. And they want to name that new high school after him, maybe. Really? Yes, I saw some movement. I wouldn't that. be against that at all. Because he was he was happening people. That's sad that he left. But he had a full life, and he really helped yeah. his neighbors. Good cat. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, I missed the polar bear swim. And if uh, Mr. Olgeen had to miss it, I understand why. <laughs> wow. wow. I saw him just a couple of weeks ago. He was still looking good and healthy. So he had a nice, <laughs> long, nice, long, healthy life. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, uh, what I'm going to play next now is uh, an interview Captain Beefheart did with Christy McKenna. He called in. By this time, he had, uh, it was 1987, he had quit music. Uh, you know, he kept uh, vacillating between living in the desert and living in NorCal. I think by this time, he was up in Trinidad, and uh, which is like a Humboldt area mm. north. And, uh, yeah, he called in to talk, and I actually, I don't know how, but just stumbled onto it while it was happening. And uh, only a little bit of spiel with Christina, and then turn on the phones. Most of the spiel was the phones, and there's people calling up and wanting to talk. And I want everybody to pay attention to this last call here. And uh, (laughs) guess who the fucking idiot is? So, Don, are you there? I'm here. Hey, hooray, touchdown. Uh, I wonder if anybody heard that, uh, that horn. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what is that horn? Soprano. Yeah, do you still play it? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a king uh, soprano. It's actually in tune. Yeah? They so, stole my silver uh, uh, during a tour. Who's they? Obviously, you don't miss touring. Not uh, at all. So, um, most people are probably surprised to hear you're still doing music. You still play every day and think about music a lot? Certainly. Yeah?
Um, how is it different from painting? I know you spend most of your time doing that now. Uh, uh, painting is, is uh, a lot more frightening. In what way? I mean, it, it's uh, very, 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 uh, uh, very difficult for me. But you're very successful at it. Don't you, um, haven't you found that you've been more financially rewarded for painting than for music? Uh, financially, uh... I mean, um, isn't your life more calm and, and comfortable now that you're a painter more than living as a musician? Uh, not really. No? No, I, uh, but, uh, oh, God, how do I explain this? cuts we heard were from Trout Mask Replica, which is generally acknowledged to be your masterpiece. Do you sort of feel that that's the best record you ever made? Uh, they're all my babies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I enjoyed uh, doing that record uh, uh, quite a lot, and uh, I enjoyed doing uh, everything I've done. I like uh, Lick My Nicole's Old Baby. I like... Uh, uh, Dr. the radio station a lot. I like uh, the last one I uh, put out, uh, Ice Cream for Crow. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. Did you achieve something with that record that made you feel it was no longer necessary to keep making records? Making records, uh, I never thought uh, to be necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I enjoyed that. I think I got it on that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I hope. Yeah. Uh, I think I got it. I don't give a damn if anybody thinks I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Okay, next we're going to hear um, a cut off that the record that A and M put out, the legendary A and M sessions, and the cut is Diddy Wah Diddy. And a lot of people have described you as a modern Delta blues man. Do you agree with that at all? Okay, so we're going to hear that cut now, and if anyone has any questions they want to ask, they should call 450-3524. Uh, you're on the air? Hello. Hello, yes. Don, I have two questions. A, um, no, it's not that difficult. No, no, I'm sorry. Do we ever get to see your work? Do we ever get to, our eyes just, like, I'm dying to see your work at a gallery anywhere in Los Angeles or New York or anywhere. Do we ever get to see your work? Uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, at uh, the, the, the Michael Werner uh, Gallery, uh, Michael and uh, Mary Boone. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, You've been Mary, there? Yes, Mary Wow. She's a major collector. I mean, she I just had uh, a baby. Wow, exciting. Max. 
Max. She just had Max. She's such a beauty. She has good taste if she shows your work. Pardon me? She has incredible taste if she shows your work. I'm so happy. She designed a hell of a room. Really? She designed that room. Wow. You're, oh, God, your paintings are too much. You should be... Thank you. ...just as famous as an artist, as a musician. And my second question is, if you had your ideal band of all the people over the years you've played with, who would you... What's your ideal band of musicians? Because you've always had the best taste in musicians. Who's your... I think the, the last band, uh, the last album I did, uh, a very good uh, group of people. I wish that uh, uh, I would have had uh, the fellow, uh, uh, oh, what is the matter with me? Eric Feldman played very good. He's brilliant. We have a long line of questioners okay, who, uh, piled you. up here, so let's nice get Nice talking to you. Thanks nice for calling. Nice talking to you, Take care. And the right. next Bye. question. Okay. Hello. She was nice. Yeah, she was. Um, and here, you're on the air. Howdy. Hi. Um, I was wondering if there's an address that you can be sent correspondence. Mm, let me see. Uh, or is that something that you'd rather not get out of there? <laughs> <laughs> I perfectly funny. understand if that's the case. You're quick. <laughs> you're quick. Well, well what do you, who's going to win the World Series? Oh, gee, I don't know. I don't even follow baseball. Really? <laughs> I like really basketball up. better, actually. Oh, I tell you, I don't follow too much on television these days. I don't get too inspired by what I see. <laughs> <laughs> Nor I. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on to another question. Thanks for calling. All right. Is If maybe I could, like, write in or get the address or something, that would be most appreciated. Uh... uh you know, if you could, it's to the station or something. What did you send me? Uh, oh, I don't know. I have some xerography of some collages and things that you might be interested. I don't know. Yeah, but, but, but myself being a painter, I am really painting. You're spending just all your time doing that, huh? Period. Uh, well, I play music occasionally myself when I paint. But uh, I'm really painting a lot. Okay, we've got to move on to the next call. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Um, hey, Don. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I've got a big question to ask you. Oh. <laughs> okay. No, no, it's not, it's not a real big deal, but but it's this. It's, and, I, and this is this is something that's occurred to me throughout my life always. But I remember one time I heard a long time ago, like if you ever want to get rid of ants, what you should do is like get like a little 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 uh, a little jar of, of sugar water. Yeah. And put, put some sugar water out there for the ants. Mm. So, so the ants can go out there and just drink the sugar water all the time. They'll not, that never come into your house and bother you. No, My no. question to you is this. Uh, you being a great, uh, uh, you know, well, you, you, you know something about those animals, I guess. I, I, something I about some guy living out in the desert that you know about that. I live in Venice. Yeah. What can I give my cockroaches so they won't come in my home anymore? Give them a sombrero. <laughs> okay, that's an excellent solution to a, a thorny problem. And now on to the next question. Uh, you're on the air. Who, me? Yeah, you. Oh, great. I'm listening in one ear to myself. And uh, uh, What are you doing, Don? How are you? 
I am uh, talking to you, listening and Good. Why don't you meet me at the Buffalo Inn in Upland tomorrow afternoon at about 3 o'clock with about, you know, maybe 500 of my closest friends. I'm right in the middle of a painting right now. You are? Yeah. How does it feel to be in the middle of a painting? Uh, frightening. Well, frightening. Come on out. Well, thank you for the invitation. Sure. Um, we're moving on to the next questioner here. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Speak to us. Hello. Hello, yes, you're on the air. Oh, it's my turn, is it? Yes, it's your turn. Oh, yeah, I wanted to ask you, Don, about your album, um, Unconditionally Guaranteed. It seemed to be a rather different album from a lot of some of your other work. I was wondering whether that was something you especially wanted to do when you made that album. Uh, I did, but I sure as hell didn't want anybody fooling with it, which they did. Well, you were on Virgin Records for that particular record, weren't you? Yes. So you switched labels from Warner Brothers at that time. Did that uh, have any impact upon it? Yes, I, uh, I had just done uh, uh, Shiny Beast, Bat Chain Puller, and... Uh, Wait a minute, now, wait a minute, I'm confused, I, although I... Well, you've done Clear Spot, haven't you, before that? Done what? Clear Spot, you had that come out in 73, then you had Unconditionally Guaranteed in 74. That, uh, that is, uh, correct. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed, uh, doing, uh, Clear Spot more than the other one. I see, it just struck me as more of a soul-influenced album, that unconditionally guaranteed, so I was curious. Okay. It seemed to be more of a soul music compared to the more blues style that you had in a lot of your other work. It just struck me as interesting that you, you know, tried that style on that particular album. I'll try anything once. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Sorry, I'll, I'll... I'm <laughs> Thanks for calling. We're well. moving on to the next question. Hello, you're on the air. Captain. Yes. Captain. Captain, hi. Um, I'm just wondering... <laughs> Hi, Captain. Um, you offered uh, uh, much encouragement to uh, my friend Carmen and I in the uh, in the dark ages when we lived in Ohio. Um, and I just wanted to know if uh, if we've seen the last of you on vinyl. Well, uh, I uh, well, uh, if I start painting on vinyl, uh, which I could do, you never know. <laughs> uh, but but musically speaking, um, is Ice Cream for Crow the the last? That, that we hear from you, or is that just the last for a while? Well, uh, for for a while, it is definitely, uh, definitely the last. But uh, look at my paintings. Mm-hmm. I'd love to look at your paintings. I bet you can hear them. <laughs> um, where do you where do you get the inspiration uh, for your for your tunes? Is it is it from your uh, from do you do you start from artwork and then uh, 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 visualize the music from that or? Uh, is it the other way around? You know, the, I, I, I tell you, I, uh, I don't uh, know that uh, with me there's any difference. Uh-huh. Although, uh, I like both uh, things. I, I, I really don't know about that. That's interesting. Are you painting right now? <laughs> you mean am I painting as I talk? Uh-huh. They wouldn't do that to Christine. Okay. Oh, good. Well, no, like I just got sure. through the painting, as a matter of fact. Good. Ten feet tall. Ten feet tall? That's the name of it? No, it's ten feet tall. Oh, it's ten feet tall. Wow. Uh, but it's, uh, 
seven and a half page wide. Uh-huh. Great. Um, what about Ice Cream for Crow on CD? Uh, I haven't heard it. It's not on CD. Any ideas when, maybe? Uh, I would think that, uh, that, uh, that they probably will do that. Uh -huh. They love money. <laughs> and, uh, I don't ever get any of it, but, uh, or if I do, it's, it's very late. We gotta move on to the next question. Thanks a lot. Thanks Take for it coming. Easy. Hello, you're on the air. Hello? Yes. Down at the risk of blathering fandom, I have to say, number one, I've enjoyed your stuff for the last 20 years at the very least. I just want to say thanks a lot. Thank you. I've really a trout mask replica I bought because the cover looked radical. And I must have, that's the first double pocket LP I played through three times in a row, all sides. And I've just never, you've never bored me. You've always held my attention. Well, thank you very much. The only thing is, like, I was going to ask you if you went to see Cecil Taylor here recently, but uh, I didn't see him there. No, I, 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 I haven't uh, seen him for years. Yeah, it was, I understand it was very good that uh, Furman Barker, a lot of the Chicago people, double ACM folks were there. It was a very good show. But again, I just wanted to say, I didn't want to, you know, sit there and say, oh, wonderful, wonderful. I really, really enjoyed your stuff, and you've made my life that much happier with your music. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. May I tell you one thing? Yes, Don. I think it's Seisel. Mm-hmm. Seisel, Oh, that's interesting. Well, again, Don, again, I just appreciate it so much, and I hope you do it sometime. Come out with vinyl, if not, but your art's fine with me. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. We're on the next question. Hello, you're on the air. Yeah, Don. Oh. Um, I want to put things in a little bit of perspective. The Minnesota Twins won 10 to 1 tonight. You were talking about the playoffs earlier. Yeah. Yeah. What a game. Did wow. You, did you catch any of that? 10 to 1. Yeah. Are you? Um, there's a lot of fans in Minnesota. I live in Santa Monica now, but I know a lot of people that are big fans here is back there. Twins are very good. Yeah, rooting for the underdog. That's what you've been all along, too. They're very good. Yeah, and, and so are but you. But how about the Tigers? The Tigers, they beat them four games to one. Yeah, but uh, that's unusual. Yeah, I know, but the Minnesota Twins are America's team now. Yeah, but uh, can you imagine being <laughs> I just thought I would put it in a bit of perspective. Is there an American? Ball, but I know you're a sports fan. Well, sure, I, yeah. I appreciate that. Okay, well, keep watching those twins beat those uh, St. Louis Cardinals tomorrow night. Do you think they will? I think they will, and I'm a huge fan of yours, Don. I saw you at the whiskey the last time you were there. Mm -hmm. That was Where? about Whiskey A Go Go about five, six years ago. What was I playing then? What were you playing? You were playing stuff from, uh... Oh, Jesus. You were, you were like, dredging up a lot of the older stuff then. Mm. But it was good. Not a bad place to play at the time. No, you don't remember? It was before they painted the place back black and made it into a disco. Yeah, you mean a, a show club? Yeah, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. We gotta move on. Okay, thank you. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for talking to me, Don. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for telling me. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, Don. Hi. Hi, you got amazing psychic powers. Uh, I saw that whiskey show, too, and uh, you came out and said it smells like a Robert Mitchum film in here, and I'll never forget that. <laughs> um, why did Hardy Hep get you to write lyrics for him? Could you tell us about the crow that your dad had? And... Um, just talk about those things, I guess. Uh, as far as uh, Hardy Hep, uh, he 
he came uh, to me when I was living up north. He just walked in. And he said, will you uh, play a concert? And I played a concert at the time. I mean, for him. Oh, and he just took those lyrics and put them to his own music then? I don't know. Because he has two albums out, and each one has one song with your lyrics. You're kidding. Nope. And also, Ice Cream for Crow is available on CD as an import. It is? Yeah. But what about that Crow with your dad? I met your mother once, and she's an amazing woman, too. Oh, his name was Smokey. Smokey? Yeah, and he flew to a Helms truck uh, uh, that my uh, father was driving and uh, lit on the top of the truck. And he followed the truck around for many years, didn't he? Do you blame him? They had good product. <laughs> Trying to find some of those pineapple buns. He did. <laughs> my father used to feed him. Well, so how do you, where did you meet my mother? I met her out in the desert through a friend of mine, Fred DeLeo. Fred DeLeo? You know Fred? Yeah. Fred. Yeah, well, I tell you, talking to your mother was quite amazing. She could talk for three hours straight about you and Frank, and we didn't have to ask her one question. She, she's got a lot of energy. She's funny. I, I felt really, uh... Good. She said, you'll call her up in the middle of the night and play two hours of music. I says, wow, I wish I could hear some of that. I do the other night. She's a lucky woman, man. I know everybody on this earth that loves your music would love to have the same thing happen. She, uh, she's a nice woman. Well, Don, I love your music, and we'd love to hear some more of it, so. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now we're going to hear a couple more songs by Don, and then we'll take some more questions. So here we go with Googlerize You Baby. It was Googlerize You Baby, and now we're going to take some more questions for Don, and uh, here comes one now. You're on the air. Hello. Hi, this is Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi. Don, my, yeah. wife, my wife and I are both totally blind, so you'll have to describe your paintings to us. Mm. And we'd like it if you'd describe, because we've never had anybody do it, what you look like in your show business persona on your albums, what you look like now, what kind of things you do, you know, as a person. What can, if we ran into you on the street, we want to know, what do you do for fun? What do you do? You'd feel me if you ran into me, that's for sure. Do you have a beast, that, uh, uh, a lead dog? No, no, both of us are cane users. We both bash concrete. And you, you, you can do that with a, without uh, an animal? Oh, of course, yeah. Only about 3% of all blind people could use dog guides, and only about 1% do. And we're one of those lucky 30% that are employed, of employably aged blind people. Well, what do you do? Well, I provide tech support for a company that makes computer access devices for blind folks, and my wife is a cassette tape technician. That's wonderful. For the Talking Book Library. And she's also a music therapist. She's into traditional music, but I was a rock and roll musician. What kind of uh, traditional music? What kind of what? Traditional music. <laughs> oh, like Hindemith and Beethoven and Bach and Mozart. That can't be wrong. <laughs> so well, what are you into? Because I once heard somebody say that they read that you were into blues albums and stuff like that, so I wanted to know, you know, what kind of stuff you were into, what you did on your off hours, and what your paintings look like, since we won't be able to look at them. But uh, as far as that goes, I listen to Beethoven a lot. Mm-hmm. I think she has good taste. Well, that's great. How about you? 
Yeah, I listen to Beethoven a lot. Do you read? Do I read? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do read, yes. I, I'm reading uh, right now uh, Dick Francis's uh, Sleigh Ride. So you like reading mysteries? Oh, yeah. Do you read much in, in the, the... What do you read in terms of nonfiction and fiction? Who do you like to read? What authors? Uh, I uh, like immensely a fellow named... Uh, Vladimir Nabokov. Oh, right, Lolita. You like that? Yes, it was on I, Talking Book. I mean, it's one of the best. It's one of the ones they haven't censored. <laughs> yeah, oh, isn't that awful? <laughs> Marty says, don't get political. Who said that? My wife. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind stupid people in high places, you'll love the government. Isn't it always that way? It was uh, a fellow said that to me when I was 13 in a place called Insomniac. Wow. How old are you? Me? Yeah. Uh, five right now. I'm having a good time, but uh, they hold me at 46, mm. which is a, a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... Uh, I'm five. I can relate. When I paint, I'm a lot younger than that. Mm-hmm. So what are your paintings like? Are they, do you depict things, or are they are they abstract, or what abstract. like? Abstract. Mm-hmm. Different uh, colors and everything, and shapes? Pardon me? Different colors and shapes, if you were describing them. How would you describe them to me? Uh, black and white a lot, and, and then a lot of uh, color at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have to do one in Braille. Really? Or at least raised, or sculpture, maybe. You want to play with that someday? I sculpt. Hmm? I do sculpt. Neat. I'd like to braille some of your sculpture. That would be that would be interesting. That would be neat. Okay, uh, we, we got to move well, down I wanted to thank here. you for your records because, uh, you know, I just, I love them, but I don't want to hold you back in the past and be a pester, you know, about what you did then versus what you're doing now. Thank you. Thank you. And, and uh, uh, you'll feel one of my sculptures out sometime. <laughs> uh, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Don. My name's David. I just want to ask you two short questions. Uh, who's your favorite painter, <clears throat> and do you believe in God? I believe that God was quite a painter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that it's that most of, of the belief in God is uh, very, uh, very... Uh, I don't think very many people... Uh, Einstein had a good idea of it, yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree. And Van Gogh. Yeah. Is, uh, in fact, my favorite painter. Really? I just saw that movie with Kirk Douglas recently. You what? I saw that movie with Kirk Douglas. Isn't that disgusting? Yeah, it was pretty... pretty How scary. could they do that? Have you read the, the Van Gogh uh, papers? Uh, to his brother? Uh, not that. By that stone cornball with all the syrup. I'm talking about the, uh, the Graphic Society, New York. Which book is that? A lot of books. Oh. Enough to uh, take all of our money out that. Wow. I think that's the best... Uh, stuff written about him. He wrote it. There, wasn't there a book called Dear Teo about, uh, it was his letters to his brother? Yeah, but it's, uh, the, the New York uh, Graphic Society did a better uh, 
thing because they were his actual letters without uh, stone syrup. Mm. Yeah, that, that isn't a very good thing, I don't think. It isn't. Well, I don't think it was. Well, everything Van Gogh did was good, but uh, uh, I don't uh, think Irving Stone is uh, telling uh, the truth. Uh, and about God, what did you say? I didn't really catch your answer. I say that uh, Einstein uh, may have known more than I do about that, uh, and surely Van Gogh did. You, you spend a lot of time in the desert, don't you? Well, yeah, right now I'm spending a lot of time in uh, northern Arizona. Yeah, I've always had an attraction to the desert. To the desert? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Well, thank you, Don. So thanks thank for calling. Um, moving to the next question. Hello, you're on the air. Hello? Yes. Yeah, hi, Don. Hi. Um, just curious as to who were your musical influences when you were young to uh, steer you in the direction of the music? Well, I think probably my uh, grandfather, my mother's father, Amos Fitton of Warfield, who played lap guitar with a pocket knife. I see. As far as blues goes, uh-huh. he, he, uh, he sang blues. That sounds really interesting. And as far as my influences go, uh, I never was influenced. Yeah, well... Yes, yeah. maybe, but yeah. not into. Did you find yourself to be, um, like when I first got turned on to your music, was Trout Mass Replica 2. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit, I was like in sixth grade. And um, I, somebody had bought the Frank Zappa album Freak Out for me for my birthday, and then I got into your album a little later on. Um, I was at a very defiant stage in my life at that time, and that music seemed to set with me very well. Did you feel that you were defiant? that you were trying to defy everything else that was going on around, such as the music and the politics of the day? Well, I, I seem to do that uh, just uh, walking around. Yeah. Okay, um, we're moving on, so thanks for calling in um, the next call. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi, Don. Um, my name's Chuck. Hello. How are you doing? I'm I Don. Okay, I wanted to ask you about that song, Diddy Wah Diddy. That's the second time I've heard it, and I really liked the way you did it. It was great. And the other version I know is the fabulous Thunderbirds, and one I wondered who wrote it, and have you heard their version? Uh, no, I haven't heard their version, but uh, you know who wrote that. Uh, no, I listen to a lot of blues, and I haven't heard that. I'm really Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley? Yeah. Oh, well, okay, he's somebody... I'm into a lot of old rock and roll, and I have like about 1,700 records, but really? he's somebody I haven't gotten into enough of yet. Bo Diddley? You can't get to everybody at once, I guess. He has one out uh, right now, a new record. Really? Well, that's good. I think that's great. And I haven't heard it. Well, I'll have to check it out. Do you ever listen to the Fabulous Thunderbirds? No, I don't. But I hear that... Uh that uh, they're fabulous. That's <laughs> probably why I listen to them. Well, they're a good blues band. I've been listening to them since the first album. Anyway, I really enjoy your music also. I'll tell you somebody to listen to. Okay. If I may tell you somebody. Oh, sure. Uh, Lightning Slim. Okay, let me write this down. <laughs> Lightning Slim. Okay. 
I really like Sonny Boy Williamson a lot. Oh, yeah. And uh, Howlin' Wolf. I play harmonica and guitar. And, uh, well, Sonny Boy was the first one I really got into of that old stuff. Well, he's a hell of a harmonica player. And just very expressive. Oh, he's incredible. But I also heard you like Beethoven. You said that earlier, and I, uh, he's my favorite classical composer, so I was glad to hear that. I think he's yeah, he's, uh, he's quite good. Okay, we're going to go, we're going to play some music now. Um, we're going to hear Sheriff of Hong Kong off Dr. Star <laughs> Station. Okay. <laughs> This is KCRW Santa Monica National Public Radio serving Los Angeles and Orange Counties at 89.9 FM for him. Hello, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, this isn't really a question. I just, I was about to go to bed and I turned on the radio and heard Diddy Wah Diddy playing and uh, it so blew my mind and inspired me. I, I wrote uh, Don a, a haiku, a 17-syllable poem, and here it is, Don. Desert. Painter wakes, sun hot, soul brush and hand moves, wind of content blows. And I still have an autographed copy of Trout Mask Replica I got from you years ago, and I hope you can get back to the vinyl someday and take yourself away from the canvas for a few minutes to maybe record something for a diehard. Where, where, did, where did you get uh, an autograph? Uh, it was at... Um, a licorice pizza record store, if I can say that on the uh, out in uh, Woodland Hills, back in about 1977 or 8, I think. Yeah. You were out there just promoting uh, your newer album, and I don't know how I happen to have that handy, but... Nice man, the manager of that uh, store. Oh, you, you knew the original manager? Yeah, I didn't have an opportunity to work for him. No, no, I, uh, yeah, I guess that must be the original manager. Yeah, they've gone through a bunch of different changes. But I really love your music, and I hope that someday I can see some of your paintings. Well, thank you. Is, is there a place in the L.A. area that your paintings are ever exhibited or that you show? Well, that'll be very soon. I uh, hear uh, my art dealer, uh, Michael Werner, uh, uh, I was going to talk to a, a fellow uh, from the Boston uh, uh, Gallery, and uh, evidently they're going to put on a show. In Boston? No. Out here? Boston. Oh, really? So yeah. uh, you, do you like posting that or advertising that, I hope, promoting that somewhat? Well, I'm sure, sure that... Uh, they'll, they'll do all your promotions, huh? Yeah, because, because my paintings are... Uh, that's all my promotion. <laughs> we're yeah. going to move on now. Um, before we go to the next question, it is a shame that Don's paintings have never been shown in Los Angeles, but a book was recently published in Germany called uh, Skeleton Breast Scorpion Blush that has a lot of Don's paintings uh, reproduced in it and some of his poetry. And I know that they'll be carrying it at a bookstore in New York called the Untitled Bookstore on Broadway. And there's a good chance that the Amok Bookstore in Silver Lake will carry it. So... Um, People who want to see his work might pick up that book. Now on to the next question. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, Don. What I would like to know is, uh, when you were recording the, these earlier albums, did, did you ever record some songs that, that like never got released, and uh, will we ever get to hear any of these songs, if they do exist? Yeah, well, they definitely exist, uh, and uh, maybe you will get to hear them. 
Is there a lot of material, or is it just a, just a stray song here and there? A lot of material. Uh, yeah? I wrote uh, uh, three albums worth of material when I was doing Trump out. Well, who has this material now? Did Pete. Does that have it? Me. You got it. I haven't spoken to Frank for, uh, yeah, since uh, I did uh, an album called, uh, what, what is the name of that thing? Bongo Fury? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, well since, since you, you've said that, that you're not going to be putting out any new stuff, well, could you consider releasing some of the older stuff? Uh, not if it wasn't uh, new stuff in my mind. Uh-huh. Which it is. But I doubt if I'll be doing that. What I'll be doing is painting. Uh-huh. You haven't seen any of my paintings. Just on the album covers. You can hear them when they're in person. Yeah. I would, I would think. Okay, well, th thanks a lot. Okay, thanks Thank for you. calling. Um, hello, uh, you're on the air. Yes, hello. Good morning. Dan, I love your painting. Thank you. I've seen a couple of your smaller untitled works uh, and, of course, the reproductions on your album covers. Uh, you know, all the fans out here were acquainted to you first through your music, but uh, I, you know, I believe you've left your mark on music and uh, right on with the painting. Thank you very much. Uh, I, my question, one of my questions to you is, uh, during the Civil War, the Union on the Union side, there was a General Van Fleet. I wonder if you might be related to him. He was a tough boy. <laughs> I understand. I, my friend has a photograph, and he sees a, re a resemblance. Really? Yeah. Is it, is it true that you're related? Right. That's all uh, quite possible, but, but uh, I have not seen uh, this person since the Civil War. <laughs> I haven't ever seen him. Uh, I understand that two of your vices are the Los Angeles Lakers and Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Uh... No longer Haagen-Dazs ice cream, but uh, Havana cigars. Havana cigars? Or if you gave up the Haagen-Dazs, they, yeah. they gave money to the JDL. I lost about, uh, oh, I'd say about 30 pounds since I gave up the Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Oh, you must be rather gaunt. Well, well I wasn't uh, that gaunt before. I weigh about 184. At this point, um, did, did you ever carry on a conversation with Ross and Roland Kirk in a Los Angeles jazz club? That's right. I miss him. Oh, don't we all? Do you Wait. know what I told him? The last thing I told him, he said, "Hey, Don, where can I get something to eat at this hour?" And I said, "The only place you can get ribs this time of night is in the Bible, Roland." <laughs> he was laughing after that. He was a great player. Did you ever uh, have a chance to uh, exchange musical ideas with him? Uh, I don't think it would be possible to uh, be around him and not exchange ideas, but uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, do anybody else's music, nor would he. Uh -huh. did, did you really jump into a great tar pit? I tried, but... Uh, uh, Sue saved me uh, because uh, it wouldn't be good for a person to jump in the tar. That was when I was three. I guess, yeah, it's true. L.A. is a poison paradise. Well, well uh, it's a beautiful place. The, the animals, they get out of the tar pits. 
But uh, I was going to go down and see some of them. But I was on a harness. Harness, uh, I guess you'd call it. And she got me before I got in there. So we're going to move on to the next question. Nice talking to you. Thanks Thank for you calling. <laughs> Hello, you're on the air. Hi, Don. Uh, Did I hear you say earlier that you play every day? Your ex? At least some every day? What? Music? Yeah. Know? Of course. Well, shouldn't we should be with you in recording? You audio and visually, everything you do, 24 hours a day, is a work of art, brother. What can Wouldn't I tell you? Nice? <laughs> and it's worth as much as, as, as any of the American art can make. It should all be together. You don't have to be with us. We're up either in. Your life is art. It always has been. You live your life as art. <laughs> and you, you have a word for it. I don't think you can do anything about it if you're an artist. Exactly. You can't do anything about being the person you none of us can. That's, what, that's why it's, when, you, when you live it so naturally in that way, that's the inside. That's why it's worth it. That's real art. That's how we make it. We make us all better. You, know, you don't make the world better. You make yourself better. And if you live reality, you should let people out of reality. Is that fair? I don't know. It is pretty interesting, reality. I mean, am I making any sense? Yes. Yes, you are, but we've had a long line of questioners, <laughs> so we're moving on. Hello, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Don. I've always been so fascinated by the incredible counterpoint in your music, and I just wondered how in the world you ever taught it to the other musicians. It wasn't easy. <laughs> it sure wasn't easy. C could you... Uh, is it possible to be a little more specific than that? Well, of course. Uh, I used a... a Fortunately, a tape recorder uh, had a lot to do with it, uh, off of a piano. Uh-huh, and, and you just taught uh, the individual parts to each individual musician. Yeah. I don't think there's any other way. If somebody is doing something they're doing, if you want somebody else to do it, how, what better way is there? Right, and they... Uh, at the beginning, did they tend to get a little confused when they were all playing it uh, together live for the first time? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sadist. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, but uh, can I say hello to Meanie? Sure. Who's, who's that? Wingdale Fingerling. Is he here in L.A.? Elliot Ingber. Yeah. Well, the, I, I've, you know, tried to uh, figure out some of those parts as they're going on and they're just uh, the more I'm able to figure out the more fascinated I become by how they uh, how they're all working together and it's, uh, to me it's an unbelievable feat that, uh, not only they have created him but just that they could uh, successfully pull it off well uh, definitely you made, which one are you talking about well I'm thinking of about uh, especially of uh, lick my decals off yeah uh, that's just uh I mean, it's just so complex. I can't. And I, and I saw you play it live once. It was fun. And when you had, uh, yeah, I, I could see that. When you had, uh, you had two drummers with you then. You mean uh, 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 Drumbo and uh, Art Trip, I think. Ted Cactus. Well, I think it was Art Trip. It was in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> no, but I call him Ted Cactus. Oh, oh, okay. And he said he'd just stick to that. <laughs> but you were in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, what do you look like? I may have seen you. Well, I was actually in, in the band that opened up for you. Really? But that, I mean, that must be 15 years ago. So I, I, that doesn't, uh, 15 seconds to me. <laughs> now, uh, which band? 
The band was called the Balderdash. I remember that. <laughs> now, what did you play? I was playing organ. I don't... I didn't see the organ. There was a... <laughs> <laughs> There's a organ and piano and drums and bass. But anyway, we... Uh, we How were, are you doing now? Well, um... I'm still playing some music, and I've decided to go back to school. Which school? Which school? Uh, if you want to be a different fish, you've got to jump out of the school. <laughs> well, my last name's Bass, so I'm, I'm a fish of a certain kind. Bass? Yeah. Okay, with that pun, we've got to move on. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Hi, you're on the air. Hello, Don. Yeah. One of my um, favorite... Oh, Don. Yeah. One of my um, favorite uh, albums in college and one of the most eclectic was uh, Safe as Milk. Just called to thank you for that. I hope you don't disown it that it's so early. Oh, no, I like that album. A couple of arrangements by Ry Cooter. I've enjoyed uh, your slide work through the years, too. You know, that's a favorite kind of sound of mine. And but, you always but, had stuff that sounded like no other. Uh, Ry Cooter had nothing to do with anything I did. Ah, uh, well, the other test... Other than Robert Pete Williams, if you're talking about... Uh, a song called uh, Grown So Ugly. Yeah. Have you ever heard that by Robert Pete Williams? Uh, no, I haven't. I doubt if you'd want to hear it uh, and say this note if you heard him do it. I see. Well, well uh, Cooter's uh, credited on the disc, but I don't know if that means anything, you know. No, he was playing. Uh-huh. But uh, uh, he did do that arrangement. Uh, it would seem to be. Grown so likely. And uh, one but, other, too. But which one? Um, let's see. Um, uh, sure enough, yes, I do. Sure enough, and yes, I do. So it says. But regardless, it sounds good anyway, and I hope some of your listeners uh, check that one out, because it seems they've all tapped into you a little later on with Trout Mask. And I look forward to seeing your art. Thanks for calling. Mm -hmm. We're moving on to the next question. Hello, you're on the air. <laughs> Sounds to me like that guy uh, is a Ry Cooter fan. Yeah. Hi, hi, you're on the air. Am I speaking? Yes, you are. Hi, I wanted to say that, first of all, obviously you must know you've influenced uh, an awful number of weirdos through the years. Weirdos? Well, whatever. And uh, you've influenced my artwork and my feeble attempts at music. But I had the feeling that when I was a kid, uh, my relatives cut out something from the newspaper about a boy who had his own TV show, Sculpting Animals. You remember about that? And I'd read, later on I read, anyway, at that point, that already influenced my life because I was a, an amateur dinosaur sculptor. So I think that even as a kid, I was influenced by Hi, we got we got to move on here. I'm okay. sorry. We got time for one more call. Hello, you're on the air. Howdy. Hi. Yeah. Uh, Don? Yeah. You know, uh, Strictly Personal, that record? Yeah. And that picture, you open up, and there's... <laughs> when I was young, that really scared the hell out of me, that picture. What was that about? Well, that was uh, a bunch of individuals, uh, the the man from Planet X. Right. Well, it was scary just looking at that it. That was me, the guy with the horn. You got, you got the horn and then the rest of your band, right? Yeah, and the thing really hurt, man. I, I mean, you know, I'm not talking what's behind it and stuff. Just when you look at it, it was scary. <laughs> it scared me, me too. <laughs> yeah, I was like uh, ten years. I still scared when I look at it. I enjoyed that. Well, thanks for all your stuff. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Um, now we're gonna. Why from Pedro Show? 
Uh, yeah, that was me. I was the last caller. I was the doof. <laughs> and I was so nervous, you know, I didn't say much. I just, and I felt awkward speaking about being so afraid and all that. But it was scary. I used to just stare at that thing. And But he was very cool about it. He thought it was kind of scary, too. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, that was KCRW 1987, Christine Kenna talking with him and then all the people called up you could t you could tell uh, how they kind of missed uh, him not doing music anymore but a lot of people understood and I do too I think Rimbaud wrote, wrote poems for only two years uh, stop when he was 19 or something some people are like that they have to stop I mean he went to maybe his early 40s so Gary Larson <laughs> Uh, some people keep going. We're talking about Chuck Berry. Mm, yeah. <laughs> in his 80s, doing gigs. And uh, uh, M M Marshall Allen, the uh, lead band for uh, Sun Ra. This cat is still torn. And you're like, you know, riding in vans and mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Steve McKay was telling me, people have it, you know, that we're all different. We all... I still was hurt when I heard the news. I was doing an interview with somebody, and the guy told me, hey, I just heard on the radio right now, the captain's gone. And man, it hit me like, and I knew he had the MS and it was a bad scene, and so I should have been ready for it, but it just it hit me, and when the reality of that comes, and I I finished talking with him, but like only half my mind was there, and I felt so bad the whole day. But maybe that MS had him hurting and stuff. Maybe him going away was kind of relief. I don't know. I don't know. And you could tell one of them callers uh, asked about his idea of God, and he said, "Well, I think Einstein had a better idea of it than I do." <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, but, uh, you know, supposedly his name came from him saying he had a beef with the world, he, in his own words, right? But I think it was just some behaviors he had a beef with. I think he actually really done uh, the whole trip, or lots of the trip. And he, his stuff, I, I said it before, the empowering thing, it just made things come alive. Like that pumpkin patch for you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you so much for coming aboard here, huh? Yeah, good to see you. Uh, great to see you. Happy and New Year. What a way to start off 2011. Yep. Yeah, thank you so much. Brother Matt, of course, always your uh, My pleasure. essential aiding and abetting. Pleasure. And uh, I hope uh, 2011, a lot of uh, interesting shows we do here at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point. Cool. Uh, maybe the rain's got another day. We've been so getting I got them. another week of vacation. Well, we need it, yeah. right? Yeah. We need it, so ain't complaining. Uh, but uh, I am doing the bike, people. I might have cowered away from the polar bear swimming and <laughs> in the kayaks in July, <laughs> but I am on the a bike now. And I brought the Suey, I brought the crutch because of the rain today, but I've been walking without the crutch. Cool. 
It's weird. You get relying on that thing. Yeah, you have to break the habit. Uh, so, I'm uh, getting ready uh, this Saturday. Uh, I'm going to play with Jandik. Oh, right, right. Very interesting. Irvine. Only going to practice with him a couple hours before the gig. And uh, you got to check this guy out. I think he's put out like 60 albums. Jandik? J-A-N-D-E-K. Kind of a secret... Secret? Yeah, no, only done one interview. And yeah, no no person, public... Check him out. It's kind of like, like, you know the internet. You can work it. Residents? <laughs> yeah, something they, like that. They are, they're like, hmm? Yeah, something like Behind that. Behind masks. Just a shadowy oh, profile. <laughs> you don't know what, what is what. Is that somewhere out of Houston, maybe, though. But I, I'll get to meet the man. I'll, I'll get to be his bass player for the gig. Maybe. <laughs> I was chosen. He'll be standing in the shadows. He wanted to come do his first Southern California gig. And the promoter asked me, and uh, the drummer's a guy from a band called Health. So we'll see how it goes. Friday, uh, Thursday and Friday, I practice again with uh, Stooges. Oh, James cool. Williamson. And, Very cool. Oh, Scotty Sound. I haven't seen them since September 3rd, 4th. So that'll be neat to see them because I have another tour coming with them. And I'm excited. They nice. called me on New Year's Day. And that kind of sealed the deal for me because I was still on the fence even that morning, Saturday, yesterday morning. And then he's saying, yeah, because he's got, you know, the joints hurting uh. too. And he says, yeah, they can weigh heavy on you, Mike. I'll go with you on that one. When I said, you know, I think I'm going to bow out, but I know I'm a coward, but so that's okay, Mike. And uh, so I'm, I can't wait to do that again. Uh, but thanks again, you know, for being on the show. Yeah. Everybody out there, I hope 2011 is righteous for everyone. Yeah. Everybody has minimal hells. I know that's a lot to ask for, but that's what I want for everyone somehow. Deserve a break. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's uh, January 2nd, 2011. Watt from Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.